Welcome to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. I'm Mitch Michaels, your host. Delighted as always to have you with me. And we have a great show planned for you this week. Talking playoff hockey with Craig Swanson, now officially a reoccurring guest. We dive into another Maple Leafs collapse, this one of epic proportions. The final eight in the playoffs is set. Some of the second round series underway with Tampa Bay looking strong as well as Colorado. Will Vegas rebound? The Islanders Bruins are playing a madhouse series as well. A lot to discuss in that realm. And then I talked to Tom Weisenbach, my buddy, a Philly guy, about the NBA playoffs, Embiid's injury, Ben Simmons' struggles. He breaks down his Philly squad that's currently up 3-1 over the Wizards, the Lakers having some serious troubles with the Suns, and the rest of the first-round matchups in the NBA. It's Craig Swanson and Tom Weisenbach on the Money Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right, we're back on the Money Mitch Effect, now officially a reoccurring guest on the show, talking some hockey, Craig Swanson. Craig, thanks for joining the show. Uh, the stakes are high because we've got eight teams left in the playoffs, but uh, thanks for coming on to talk a little puck here. Yeah, I mean, it's good to have fans back in the, the stadium, too. So, and you could tell, and you could tell the, the, uh, the fans have an effect on the players, too, because they're very, very... Intense hockey compared to last year, which was boring. Yeah. How about like the crowd ranking? I mean, Canada obviously hasn't really had fans or just starting to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Boston's been amazing. The Islanders fan in that last game was great. Even Vegas stepping up. Yeah. And Vegas is going to have 100% capacity on tonight. Yeah. Uh, game three because it's two and count. Yeah. yeah. That's so right. that's game three. So yeah, they're gonna... that's Thursday or Friday. Sorry. But yeah, no, it's going to be good. Um, they're going to probably need it. Uh, a lot of need it. <laughs> a lot of different storylines. Second round's already more than underway for a couple series. Um, biggest one, though, I mean, the Leafs. Yeah. Like, how do you... It's it's really... I don't, I don't want to use the term embarrassing too much, but they <laughs> had every advantage going into the series. Montreal was, by every metric, don't want to be analytics guy, but they were the worst team to make the playoffs. <laughs> they had a negative goal differential this year. Toronto had all the all that skill... Everything was going well going into the playoffs. Up 3-1. And then Carey Price happens. <laughs> and there's, that's one way to look at it. Props to Carey Price for stepping from, up again. From that perspective. The really- Hall of Famer. And now I think you could really make the case. Is he the best goalie of his generation? I mean, who are the other options? Like Fleury? Mm-hmm. And Fleury hasn't been as consistent. He had that stretch in Pittsburgh where he got benched. He had some bad playoff mm-hmm. games. Carey Price... Jonathan Quick had a good Jonathan run. Quick had like a, maybe a better apex, that short run. Mm-hmm. But if you're talking the last decade, it's Carey Price. Yeah. Consistently, never really, like who's the best forward he played with? You know, like he doesn't have, yeah. <laughs> you know, probably doesn't have a Hall of Famer in how, that mix. How many goals did the Maple Leafs score the last three games? Was it one goal? They got, no, because they tied it up. It was, yeah, it was one game five. They lost that game in OT. It might have been 2-1 or 3-2. But they definitely, because they rallied in game six, got to 3-3. And then lost it. That's right, yeah. You know, but let's just take a step back for how this series went. Game one, Montreal wins. We've seen that happen where a game one, a team just doesn't come out ready and they can recalibrate. And that's what we thought happened. The Leafs won both games in Montreal mm-hmm. pretty convincingly. Yeah. There was no signs that this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Game five, it's a tight one. Montreal's last stand. It goes to overtime. Okay. Maybe that's when we should have worried when the game ends on a terrible pass that turns into a 2 on 0 in overtime. Yeah. Game six... Again, looks like Montreal's going to win when Toronto came back and made that push. 
but it goes to OT and Montreal makes those plays again. So now the nerves start to creep in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Toronto's, you know, hasn't won a playoff series since 2004. They're the Dallas Cowboys of the NHL <laughs> because they have all this history, but they haven't done anything. Yeah. You know, like the last time they won, as we do this, the last time they won a playoff series, Nadal hadn't won a French Open. <laughs> so Yeah, and they've become the New York Rangers of their, gender, their time now because New York Rangers... They, the fans used to chant, the opposing fans, 1940 when, because that was no, the yeah, last back time. then, back before then. 94, yeah. So now it's 25 years later, and it's almost the same, like, you know, time span. So it was 1967, I think, Toronto was won the, la the last cup. Were they the Toronto St. Patrick's then? <laughs> you know? Or the, 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 the original Toronto uh, team? Because they, uh, I mean... Not it's terrible. You feel for Leaf fans um, because it just hasn't happened. And this is a different level because they were the favorites because you lose to a Boston team. I mean, last year, the loss to Columbus, they were the favorite team, more skill. Columbus was coming off of a year when they had made the conference semis. And, mm -hmm. you know, that wasn't a level like this. And before that, they lost to those Boston teams. I know there was that big choke in there that one year. But, you know, not exactly the worst. This is game seven at home. And you still lose to a Montreal team that was just grinding all season, fired their coach, everything that went down. You do have to wonder what the long-term future of this team is and if they're constructed the right way. Mm -hmm. Mitch Marner is making $11 million a year. He hasn't scored a goal in his last 18 playoff games. I know David Pasternak and, and McKinnon are guy, examples. They're making less than $7 million a year. But, you know, you can build a team in other ways. You can build a team around a goalie like Carey Price, mm -hmm. who, as we mentioned, is the only player of the top 18 highest-paid players in the league still playing in the playoffs. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I remember, yeah, you told me yesterday that, like, 17, I didn't know he was the one remaining. He's the one <laughs> remaining. And, like, I, I get it. You know, Bobrovsky is, is one of the worst contracts in the NHL, probably the worst for Florida, $10 million. He was mm -hmm. the healthy scratch for the final play, <laughs> two playoff games. But Vasilevsky's making big money, and you're seeing what he's doing in Tampa Bay. Montreal, Carey Price... Paying big, a goalie big money is a gamble. I think the years might be the problem. You don't want to lock in too mm -hmm. many years. But that's better to me than investing in four forwards. Matthews, yeah. Nylander, uh, Tavares, and Marner. And you can't build depth because mm -hmm. that's what's happened to this team. Who can the Maple Leafs get for <laughs> a goalie? I concerned. think they really butchered this by the fact. And Nylander is the only one. I mean, Tavares had the injury, unfortunate situation. You wonder if, I mean, it probably does make a difference for sure. But Nylander stepped up. Matthews hasn't really stepped up in the playoffs. I just wondered if they, and this was back when Shanahan was really, had his claws into this. I think they made a mistake by giving Marner all that money and investing it into just those forwards. Because mm -hmm. they're, Defense is just average at best. Campbell played okay. He let in a couple soft ones, but the offense didn't produce. I don't know. I, I think the way that the cap structured and, and you know, hockey's not baseball. You can't just throw a bunch of money yeah. at it and, you know, it'll all work out. I don't know what the plan is for this team, but the formula is not working and they're going to have to figure out a way to just reconfigure this. Is, is it the Edmonton Oilers uh, formula? Well, Edmonton's <laughs> looking great now because the pressure's kind of off them. No one in Canada, really, they're just like the Leafs blew it. You know, we weren't expecting Edmonton to be good. But it is similar because Edmonton has no depth either. Yeah. You know, the McDavid line playing all those minutes and you can just bottle up one yeah. line. You need to have depth and their defense. I mean, I, I like Darnell Nurse, but he's all they have. They played him like 50 minutes in that yeah. triple overtime game. Yeah, they have to build from the back end, I think. And the Canada, and it's the two teams that made it. 
out of the Canada f- division, the, the most unpredictable division of all. Like we have all these great second round series, and yes. this could be great, but it's the three four matchup. Are teams that you wouldn't say necessarily have high skill. Yeah, you'd say built from the back with goaltending, Carey Price and, and Hellebuck in Winnipeg, but they're three four lines. They keep coming, and uh, they play a very physical brand of hockey. So I guess that. You know, whatever the game, the game's cyclical, different forms and systems work, but that's the one constant. What happened to Carolina last night? It, I mean, they're home, their fans are there, the packed arena. They played, all, that's a scary thing, right? They didn't play bad. They didn't get run out. Like, the two games yeah. they played, this would actually this would actually frustrate me more than any other thing. You have two games. You're like, we didn't play bad, but we lost both of them. Yeah. It's like, what do we do? Now, the story in game two, to me, was Vasilevsky's the best goalie in hockey. Like, he is. Uh-huh. He's been the most consistent. He's been a Vesna finalist a bunch of years. They pay him big money, and he stepped up. He made some big saves early, and then that Carolina push happened with their season backs against the wall, yeah. and he made even more big saves. Uh-huh. I just don't know how, you know, I'll, I'll put it this way. We know how loaded Tampa Bay is, but if they're going to play this gritty, if they're going to win 2-1 games, yeah. the odds of them going back-to-back are pretty high. Uh-huh. Carolina, on the other hand, Swanee, I just, and I like this team. I like how they're built. I, I do. I think Joe Slavin's one of the most underrated defensemen, and, and their goalie has been playing well, too. The one thing they don't have, it's similar with the Islanders, we'll see how far they can go, is that top-end scoring, like real top-end scoring. Sebastian Ajo is, is probably their best forward, mm-hmm. and he's really good, but is he in that upper echelon? I don't know, and Tampa Bay's got three or four of those guys, so yeah. Yeah, that's the difference to me. Well, my favorite series is the uh, Vegas and Colorado series. Well, yeah, you're so <laughs> I. It, we should also mention that, like, yeah, every other series is two games in, except for Colorado Vegas plays game two tonight as we record this, and the Canada one hasn't started yet. Which, by the way, it's good that I think they're going to let the American teams go to Canada. Yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah. Know that. So it looks like they're going to get an exemption, so Canada will have a true home ice because that was the big thing, right? Like. You obviously can't do a 14-day quarantine. You have to, yeah. you know. but And you could get Canada players out, but then they don't have home ice. You're not going to take home games away. So, essentially, you have a situation where, what, like Winnipeg goes to, like, Arizona to play their home <laughs> games and like, if they're playing Vegas or whatever. Enjoy. Yeah. So, um, and the fact that we, know how, we now have a bracket. Like, the randomness of the bracket was taken away, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. You know that the Canadian division winner is going to play the Vegas-Colorado winner. Yeah. To get to the final, and you're going to get Boston Islanders versus Tampa Carolina. So very and I hope, and I hope Boston, I hope Boston and Tampa play. That, I mean, I would really. They've got a little rivalry going. Um, the Carolina side of it is an interesting one too, but it basically is East West. Depending on if if it's Winnipeg versus one of these teams, you're going to have East West again, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Swanee, I want to talk to you about the uh, that Vegas Colorado series. Is that your favorite? Series well, thank God it's not on the aggregate like soccer is played because <laughs> Vegas is down six right now. Um, you know, I think that was because they had a, a tough seven game series. Colorado has Colorado. I don't think lost the game. No, right? five and zero oh in the playoffs. Five so and zero. Oh, so they have this time off, this rest. Rest for us is interesting factor rest too. Could go one or two ways, but it went the the, the way it should have went. There was the other night. Game one was probably looking back. We all should have expected a Colorado win with ease maybe that not that easily Vegas coming off a seven game series that was pretty grueling and they start Rob Leonard yeah. who hasn't played all playoffs and they didn't that was just the take your medicine like we know we're gonna lose and I didn't realize until after 
not looking ahead at the schedule that they had that extra day off. <laughs> so now Florida will get like six days off or five days off in between games, which is they're looking at the schedule. They're like, all right, we play on Sunday. Yeah. We'll start the backup. Well, we game two is the game to get to even this series yeah. up. We'll let him rest for that. It makes sense. What doesn't make sense, though, is to, and I don't think they rolled over and died, but they found out pretty fast that you, you play this physical brand of hockey, you play this on the edge or over the line type of hockey, it can work against some teams. Colorado just took the punches, took the roughing penalties, and scored mm-hmm. on the power play. And I think Eddie Olchuk was the one that said it. They're going to have to start playing whistle to whistle. Now, before we get into the Reeves and all that stuff, like mm-hmm. you can't give a team like Colorado that power play. McKinnon is playing like the best player in the world. That first line with Rotten and Landeskog is probably playing like the best line in the world. And you have Kale McCarr on the point who can just set everything up himself. Yeah. So you got to stay out of the box. Like, it's that simple. If Vegas takes a lot of penalties, they're going to lose this yeah, series. Yeah, there was one. It had to have been a power play goal. It was like four passes. The nine-minute power play. <laughs> But there were such clean passes, bam, tape to tape to tape and score, you know, redirect. You, and you see how important a defenseman is. Like, all due respect to the Colorado forwards I mentioned, but a guy like McCarr to run the point is everything. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, getting into the nuance side of it, you're not going to have as many shorthanded goals if you can have a skilled defenseman on there. You see teams load up with forwards. I think, who did I see this playoff? Somebody threw five forwards out there. And I was watching, I, I think it might have been Minnesota, and I'm watching with uh, one of our other friends, Nick Morton, who's been on the show. And I'm like, all right, well, shorthanded goals yeah. are a possibility <laughs> here because that's usually how it happens. Yeah, uh-huh. They start to get forwards playing defense, and they're just going to start swinging yeah. their sticks. <laughs> but, no, Colorado's power play has been amazing, and McKinnon is, I marvel at him. <laughs> and he's underrated, somehow underappreciated, because he's overshadowed by some of these other guys for his size, his speed. And the ability to skate as fast as he does with the puck on his stick, you know, is a very underrated and underappreciated mm-hmm. skill. He doesn't lose any speed when he's carrying yeah. the puck. Which is hard. Very hard. <laughs> he's got that shot release, too, that's very fascinating. I've watched it a bunch where, and I, again, he's, he's incredible at everything, but when, he sh- when you release the puck that fast, it's almost like a slingshot. You know it's not even really about accuracy there. Uh-huh. Like, he's got goals where he doesn't even really pick a corner. He's just beating the goalie sliding over. Mm-hmm. And he's just one, you know, it's it's hard to pick up. It's like a pitcher in baseball that can disguise their their release. I feel like these goalies are having a hard time picking up how he's releasing the puck and mm-hmm. how fast it's coming. Was he the, did he, was he the one that scored a five-hole goal uh, in game one? No, uh, maybe. I Seven goals, hard to keep yeah. track. I know he had the last one, which was the pretty one, where he came up with a full head of steam, beat the defensive line, and then flipped it over the goalie, uh-huh. which we've oh, all yeah. been there. Oh, yeah, you had some speed We've all there. been there. I <laughs> was a defenseman back in my day, and you're tough break. That's, <laughs> that guy's coming up the ice, thinks he's got like an easy entrance in uh-huh. his own, has to pivot, has McKinnon coming at you. Uh-huh. So what about the, the Reeves incident? Well... I mean, I only saw it once. So I, and Two games, and I think, you know, taking reputation out of it, when they found out that he pulled some hair out, that's like... Yeah, I didn't... Because it was so... He cross-checked the goalie. So crowded. Cross-checked the it. goalie. Defenseman comes in. Reeves is probably the biggest heavy... Like, the, the heavyweight champ, quote-unquote, of the current day. Like, anyone can lose a fight, but if you're giving me odds, he's probably the best odds to win, a, win any fight. But... I think it was him kneeing the guy in the head. Now, I don't know if Graves got hurt as a result. Graves was the guy who had a borderline hit earlier in the series, yeah. earlier in the game on Yanmark, mm-hmm. which watching that hit, it was close. I don't think it was that egregious, mm-hmm. but it's hockey. Someone's going to try to retaliate. 
and I'm with it. I'm fine. That's playoff hockey. Uh, but knee on the head in a pile. <laughs> yeah, is a I tough, saw. Is I a saw tough that. Look. But Gray's went down. Like, I mean, Reeves is strong and just <laughs> oh, slammed yeah. Graves down. But Graves got to have get the hell out of there, or somebody's got to pull Reeves off. And, and it's easier no, said than done. Easier yeah. said, but nobody even looked like they attempted to do that. I mean, and I saw the knee, which was that's I think what would get. He is suspended that and, and he's had some running yeah he's had off. some run-ins too so maybe that added a game based on prior history <laughs> but i just don't think that's the right strategy for this series mm-hmm. is to just do and that's that. what reese was doing he was trying to go out there and change you know get some momentum Evander i guess tweet was so funny play him 20 minutes a game yeah. instead of suspending <laughs> him you tell those guys don't like each other yeah <laughs> uh craig swanson here on the money mitch effect that that game too is going to be huge because colorado gets up 2-0 yeah. and They're those rolling. guys both of those got those teams i mean it was a tiebreaker that won the president's trophy for colorado so they had the same amount of points yeah they won out their last couple games <laughs> the kings they got beat like six nothing in back-to-back <laughs> games for colorado oh, to get that home ice <laughs> and get the president's trophy this I saw another interesting thing, too, that I think I'm, I'm starting to buy in on. By and large, Colorado might be the exception. But in the betting world, the unders are kind of the play for the division final because they all know each other. How many times have these teams played each other yeah. all year? Uh-huh. These are the two best in each division. They've played each other eight times or so. So maybe the under is the way to go because you know everybody. You know what to expect, yeah. and it's going to be like I Tampa. can't wait until some other teams start playing each other. <laughs> Yeah. You know, it's going to be wild to see how that actually shakes out for the first time. Boston Islanders series has been great. Um, I'm expecting six, seven max for sure. Mm-hmm. The Islanders winning game two is exactly what they needed. And props to them because how they won that game, I think, is just as important as the fact that they won. Second period, they were dominant, three mm-hmm. goals. They accomplished more in that period than the Capitals did all first <laughs> round against Boston. But Boston comes back when we were talking about this. The Islanders packed it in early. A two-goal lead with 15 minutes left, that's not that's yeah. not enough to just go into turtle mode, nope. you know? And their stars stepped up. Marshawn and Berglund, Bergeron each scored goals. And then you have overtime, which was the best yeah, overtime that, was that we great saw. Overtime. I mean, guys are getting maimed <laughs> in front of the net, no call, chances each way. Yeah, a lot of chances. And it ends on a no-look pass, defenseman didn't really get his head up, mm-hmm. hit a skate, breakaway, by a non-finisher who looked like a goal scorer yeah. in Zizekas. And he snapped a shot early, like mid-circle. He didn't even wait to no. get in. He just... No, that's not a deeker. He knows. <laughs> I'm just going to shoot it low and snap it off. And as a goalie, I mean, Rask is in a tough spot. When you give anybody that much room to skate, uh-huh. hit their corner, take their time, play the angle they want, yeah. it's tough to do. But props to the Islanders. Barry Trotz has his team ready as his team at that level that where they compete everywhere he's gone he's built a system that we're going to play four lines we're going to have depth on the back end we're going to keep it close and we trust our team's ability to make plays at the end i don't know if that's if they have enough cup level talent but they have enough talent to frustrate any team in the league also has some cup level talent they just they win that i mean they have a tough road if you think about it if boston yeah, Capitals, Islanders, Lightning. <laughs> Lightning, and then you're going to go play Colorado, Santa maybe. <laughs> Colorado. Well, I, I have to say a couple things. One, I was pretty wrong about Boston this year. I thought their lack of depth on the blue line, not just losing Chara, who's up there in age, of course, and slowed down. But Tori Krug lost. McAvoy stepped right up. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's becoming a top 10. He's, he's already a top 10 defenseman in the league. 
But Pasternak is mesmerizing with the puck on his stick because he's not fast. Yeah. He's like a throwback player to like the 70s or 80s where it's not speed. It's just he's an unbelievable puck handler. He has the presence of mind and the awareness out there to take his time. And, and I say this kind of jokingly, but seriously, like to not get killed out there, <laughs> going so slow and holding on to the puck and still being able to just do everything he wants. Like game one, the hat trick, some of those goals were pretty as heck. Yeah, yeah I, I mean... They will have a tough road. Even Colorado, I don't know the the that side. Colorado will play the the Canadians, right? The, the Colorado yeah. Vegas winner will play, play the Canadian division. So winner. I think that's the easiest road to get. It to is, the final. I wouldn't sleep on Winnipeg though. I mean Montreal, like an overachievement series there. I think Winnipeg is gonna. I I, I would predict Winnipeg to handle Montreal, depending on Carey Price. He could extend the series, yeah. but Winnipeg found their game, their depth. They were playing very well down the stretch. I just don't think Montreal matches up very well with them. I agree with you, though, that Boston or Tampa have that thing. But the way Tampa's playing, they're just like, who cares? Yeah. And you're starting to see battle-tested teams really find their stride in the next round, mm -hmm. you know? Like Tampa, what are they, 4-1 and one on the road now in the playoffs? Like, they yeah. don't care where they play. And not just any road environment. Florida actually got the fans out. Carolina place was rocking. Yeah. And they went in there and won two games. Mm -hmm. I think that... Boston Islanders, I mean, I would be shocked if it's not 2-2 coming back to Boston. I think the Islanders are going to get a game in this series. And I think Boston's good enough to win on the road and beat anybody. <laughs> you know, that style that they – styles are important to hockey, and they both – both these teams play a style that can kind of take the, the home crowd out of yeah. it. They play their game. You know, Boston will, will try to match intensity, but you can't give – you know, you can't give any of these teams power plays. Boston's power play is very underrated also. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, power play is important in the uh, in the playoffs. I I'm I'm expecting a long postseason uh, run. I think we're gonna get. I think we get any more game sevens this round. Uh, I'm thinking that Boston Islanders is looks like game it's seven. seven but yeah, that might be the only one. I mean, I, I it depends how this game tonight with Vegas and. Yeah. I mean, if Vegas, Vegas has talent, though. That 7-1 that game was misleading. Flurry had arguably his best season as a pro, which is saying something. Mm -hmm. Like, I think he's the first-time Vezna finalist, which I expect Vasilevsky to win. But mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I can't see Colorado just steamrolling everybody. I mean, they're good. But they have that, like, you know, they should, they were, they've lost a lot of series in the last couple of years as underdogs. Mm -hmm. So there's still some, like, scar tissue of, like, hey, it hasn't happened. Like, we have this good young team. Yeah. McKinnon making less than seven, eight mil a year. That's not going to last much longer. And, and <laughs> he's going to be like double that. He's going to look at his numbers and be like. And president like trophy double. winners. I looked it up. There's yeah. only eight that have won since the. It, was the Blackhawks the last one? Blackhawks were the last 13, one. 13, I think. Yeah. Before that, I, I think the last one, Colorado. In like nine, in 01 or something. Ray Bork here. Yeah. yeah. So that was the last, you know, and. and the yeah, last time they won the cup is when they were President's Trophy winners. So, hey. Yeah, <laughs> you know? it, is a, it is a bit of a curse. We've seen it happen before. But I, I think that Vegas isn't going to roll over with guys like Stone and Pac Reddy yeah. and Yan and Mark playing well. They made a lot of aggressive moves to just go out like this, too. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, DeBoer's been around. He knows kind of how to make adjustments. Like, yeah. this isn't his first so, rodeo, I think either. This game will be telling. You know, like, they can't get blown out. They have to show up and and do something this game. And if they could pull it out like the Islanders just did. I, I th I'm i leaning, like, I think it looks like Colorado-Tampa final. Boston could that crash be, the party. 
And, Boston, I, and I, that would be great too. Boston and Colorado. I think Colorado making the finals, that has to be the bet right now, right? I mean, yeah, they're the betting favorite for sure. Um, Vegas, Boston actually was like the betting favorite going into game two randomly. But I just think Tampa Bay, if they're, if they're getting this from Vasilevsky, mm-hmm. if they're winning games, grinding it out. Like, look at all the scoring talent they have. Like, Kilhorn is like their sixth best forward. Yeah. Braden Point and Kucherov and Stamkos. I mean, it's... Stamkos is 30 years old. How did that happen? I know, right? <laughs> he's just been snapping them off. And he's got, I think, the second most power play goals behind Ovechkin in that run, obviously. <laughs> Who? But we can kind of wrap up the NHL stuff with this. Who's the one guy right now? Who's Joe Thornton's out. That was like the sentimental guy. Is there a guy now to get his first ring? Is there any sentimental, like, first-time cup you know, lifters? I was looking at some of the rosters. There's a lot of young, yeah, they're young, young guys that have talent, yeah, right now. Because no one really on Colorado that's like been waiting for this moment. Vegas, I mean, because Flurry already has his, you know, there isn't anything there. Carey Price, maybe that's the one, Price, right? If he Price. Went, if he won this, like, oh we're my put, god, that would be so. so. And if, the Canadians do that sometimes. Yeah. They come out of the woodwork and they win a Stanley Cup, mm-hmm. and you have you, yeah. you're thinking, how the hell are they going to win a Stanley Cup? Yeah. And they end up doing it. I think it's probably him, honestly. Because there's nobody else yeah, now that well, has. Looking at the top played, yeah, top paid players. I, I mean, know, they're all out. <laughs> That's how you gauge that. You yeah, know? we'll see. It should be. Uh, it should be pretty exciting there. Oh, I don't know if you want to talk about like I watched that Mike Tyson. Uh, I haven't seen it, but I've already. I'm all content. Like I've watched a lot of Tyson content, read the book and stuff, but I've heard it was pretty good. Oh yeah, it was I, good. yeah. Both I watched it last week and this week, and it was pretty good. So it gets into the childhood and everything, everything and every, yeah, and even. I mean everything, all the dirt. So he's one of a kind. Yeah. I mean, there's no one like him. You know, I, I just yeah. Watch that when you. I need to. I, I do think good. though that I mean the way boxing and everything is gone. Like it, it's it's in a good place. I like watching fights, but the marketing arm of it isn't good when you have a YouTube guy just coming in and making yeah. more money and all this stuff. Yeah. I hope he, I hope Tyrone Woodley beats him, but I don't know. You know, like I, I think he can. I think he would if he wasn't, you know, hadn't just been brutally beaten in his last four <laughs> fights. That's part of the strategy, right? Like, yeah. you know, I don't know. I, I think I'll have to watch. I'll have to watch the Tyson thing. Yeah. Um, Craig Swanson, this was fun. Um, who's winning the French Open? Do we know that yet? Nadal, maybe. Nadal, yeah. <laughs> I guess I should have said the women's side. The uh, women's side. If Vardy's hurt. If, yeah, if Vardy's banged up. Could be Swiatek. Serena could throw her hat in the race. Um, Swiatek fucking I think piss out Sabalenka might be one. She actually has done well on clay. It's a yeah. mental thing. Like, she hasn't made a quarterfinal in a slam yet. Yeah. I feel like when it happens, she's just going to win it. <laughs> and she's gonna. It's going to be one of those, like, and we see that a lot with women's tennis. Like, when they make their first, they just go all the way. It's like Kennan, Swiatek, yeah. you know, party even. Um, no, it's been fun. I mean, Djokovic and, and it all semifinal. So I hope whatever final we get, it's competitive. That's yeah. my first thought there. <laughs> but yeah, tennis is, uh, we got the clay and then Wimbledon coming right up. Yep. So it's it's moving along. Just glad to see Roger back playing. But I know I'm just appreciating whatever time we have yeah. left. <clears throat> yeah, it's so, going to come to an end, you know. <laughs> Craig Swanson, thanks for joining the show. I'll have to have you back on. Now a reoccurring guest on the Money Mitch Effect. <laughs> but thanks for coming on. You got it, Mitch. Huge thanks to Craig Swanson, Swanee as we call him in these parts, for hopping on the show, talking some puck, and uh, there'll be more of that where that came from as the race to capture Lord Stanley's Cup intensifies. Thanks again to Swanee, as always. Now it's time to switch sports, talk some hoops with Tom Weisenbach. 
He breaks down his Philadelphia 76ers squad. We actually recorded this yesterday before the Lakers dropped another game going down 3-2 without Anthony Davis to the Suns and break down the rest of the first round matchups. That's Brooklyn's already in to uh, face the Bucks. A lot to discuss with Tom Weisenbach on the Money Mitch Effect. Let's do that right now. All right, back on the Money Mitch Effect. Haven't talked to this guy in a while. It's Tom Weisenbach on the show. It's uh, springtime, playoff basketball, playoff hockey, getting ready for an Olympics. Got some baseball. Tom, thanks for joining the show. And uh, we're really we're really back with sports with fans, too, for better or for worse. So, But thanks again for coming on the show. No problem. Right now it's been more for the worse. We're <laughs> yeah. watching the NBA playoffs. In that sport, it has been, um, you know, and we're going to get to that in a second. But um, the better part of that being, you know, the bubble stuff with the different sports, um, playoffs last year, basketball, hockey, you've had baseball and football, and a lot of, in a lot of senses just have sports without fans at all. But the plus side is, I mean, we've really missed it, the fact that crowd can, crowds can react after plays and you get to see just how much the fans are kind of invested much like we are into the outcome of the game. So that's been the good of it. And I think it's really put into perspective that you know, the bubble, it just wasn't quite the same. And now we're actually kind of seeing the fans out there take in the sport and, and really, in a lot of cases have an impact on these close games, I think at home. Yeah. Especially, uh, you know, I'm watching Sixers Wizards last night and the, and the crowd gets into it and the, uh, the underdog home team ends up pulling that game out. So that's definitely a, a short term, impact of the home court advantage is coming back full throated as these as these cities and arenas allow more fans back into the stands the uh last year was kind of like an aau rec league uh, kind of thing although a lot of people will tell you that that's one of the, the best basketball they've seen out of the nba product sometimes where they didn't have to travel so everybody was kind of fresh the whole time and, and there was kind of really good basketball you know, that's of the product that the NBA offers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the excitement is there now with the, with the fans, definitely. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we can talk about the negative stuff. I mean, there's no defending any fans that are going to take liberties, say stuff, do stuff, throw stuff, you name it. Um, I, I just, I understand the side of it that people have been pent up, and I think Kevin Durant actually put it perfectly. That's still no excuse. I think, uh, if anything, because you have you talk about fans and you talk about thousands of fans, and then there's one knucklehead out there that causes a scene and it casts that black shadow over the whole, over the whole arena, the whole town. I do think though that it has kind of been, and I do agree with the, the sentiment, Tom, that it's kind of like the non-reality of social media just blending into reality. Like it's that that's the worst side of it for me is that people think that they can do and say anything at these sporting events and, and to these athletes. And I think that that's just obviously clearly not the case, but I think people just are kind of forgetting what reality is like because of that more than just being pent up in your house all the time. Yeah. And even as, as like basic as the blatant, like altogether 20, maybe 11,000 people chanting the F word at a sporting event. It's kind of a relatively new phenomenon. Like, I feel like, like yeah. the, the refuge suck is kind of as far on the like respect line that, that, you know, when we were growing up in our generation kind of owed. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, since then in, in the last 15 to 20 years, it's just gotten to that kind of anonymous mob mentality of, well, 
it's not just me. It's me and 11,000 to 20,000 of my closest, you know, cohorts agreeing to this sentiment. So I'm allowed to say it type of thing. Yeah, there's always going to be booing, and I think that's great. And there's always going to be the the most hated on a team. And I think that's great, too. I mean, the Kyrie Irving thing, like, say what you want about the guy. He can be a little odd at times. I think his intentions are good at other times. But it's not hard to see why Boston, the, the fans, hate him. You know, it, it's really not. And I think yeah. understanding that, and, and even Trey Young in Atlanta, I mean, there's there's a reason why. I mean, he's really good. He brings it. He's brash. I get it. And I understand why the fans are going to be booing him the most. And even even coordinated chants that are within reason that are fine too. But when that line's crossed, I mean, it just kind of takes away from, from all of that. And I think people are out of touch with, with reality in that sense. The other side of it too, I mean, this is obviously on the smaller state of things. But you get to see which players play better when they're heckled. Like Trey Young's game really elevated in New York when they were giving him a hard time. So I think that could kind of deter some of this stuff too. I don't think the Knicks fans will be you know, as, as mean, if he's just going to keep lighting them up. Well, yeah. And we're coming out of a pandemic and how quickly are we to spit on opposing players? <laughs> Jeez, like, I what know. is that? I know, I know. Um, you know, and that's look, I, I don't want to, I didn't want to spend too much time on it, on it. I mean, it's pretty obvious take that there, there's just no place for that. Um, but you know, most of the fan support's been good. The sad thing is that, yeah, these environments have been good, minus the the terrible, you know, isolated incidents. I mean, it's been one, I think, per for about all these arenas. But it has been good to kind of see fans back and, and give that added juice and, you know, see what the players are made of. Uh, Tom, looking at, you know, the series you've been following, the Sixers weren't able to complete the sweep last night. As we record this, they lose three games to, they lose the first game to, to still be ahead three games to one over the Wizards, um, I went into this series, honestly, from the outside, not really, you know, taking much out of it, Tom, like whatever the Sixers do, it's, I mean, assuming that they win, obviously, it's not really going to give me any, you know, thoughts on what they're going to do going forward against steeper competition, but I'm interested to see how, you know, hear how your perspective is after MB gets banged up, they lose a close game on the road, again, no shame in that, but MB banged up, and then there's the Ben Simmons free throw. Is this going to be a new strategy thing with the Hackashack? So, I mean, my question is, after game four, the first loss of the playoffs for the Sixers, how are you feeling and what are your thoughts on this team after what you saw last night? I think it's uh, the same as it's been over the last several years, and it depends on the health of number 21 and number 25. And uh, Is the health of 25 the mental health? Or is that, you know, like, I don't want to make light of that, but, like, you know, he, he's... That MVP's health that is huge because, like, if he if he's out, I mean, that's the whole team because he's an MVP front runner this year. You know, right? The health of your stars is the key, most uh, important thing in the playoffs, and you saw last year. I only say Ben Simmons because he wasn't healthy for the playoffs last year. You saw how that ended up. If one of those two guys, obviously, we'd rather have Embiid healthy as far as just impact on the the game as a whole but that would be the most important thing is to make sure that the stars and even Tobias Harris can be lumped into that are in fact healthy and able to be able to score so obviously that's number one and last night Joel Embiid goes out the first quarter they still hang tough with with the eight seed and and BC who are a scrappy bunch and with their backs against the wall for the last couple of months they've been really really stepping up when, when their backs are up against the wall. So you didn't expect that team to quit, especially with Russell Westbrook on that team. What is disappointing is that Ben still seems to struggle with the same parts of the game 
year in and year out, and it's kind of more than a trend as far as maybe this is the player you are. And if it continues to happen where you're going to cost yourself your team valuable possessions, then you can't be on the floor and impact. Like last night was a typical game where Ben Simmons needs to be on the floor and he needs to take over. He had foul troubles. I get that. But dude, you got to box out. You got to, if you're not having a good offensive game, you have to do everything else around scoring. And game one, he didn't score as much, but he had 15 rebounds and 15 assists, and that impacts the game just as much. However, you're still shooting up, up 10 from the free throw line, and that's bound to catch up with you. Yeah, well, the first point of that is absolutely Embiid's health is is huge. Um, and I don't know how serious it is. It didn't seem serious last night, but you don't want to take any chances given the position and what's on deck. The Simmons thing is very fascinating. Tom, you know there's no player like him in basketball. The, he is as elite as anyone at the things he can do well, but he hasn't made that next jump and, as you said, still struggles in certain areas. That The hack-a-shack philosophy might not be the prettiest basketball, but I'm on record as saying if you can't make your free throws, then this is what can and, and in a lot of cases needs to happen. And, you know, I saw he shot 61% from the field uh, from free throws this year. It's a strategy that I think the Wizards used perfectly down the stretch in that game up to uh, last night. And I also do think that there's a reason why. I mean, they're going to continue to sag off of him like other teams are going to. I think if you look at the plus side, you've had some players, Tom, step up. Tobias Harris has played very well. Uh, I, I do think, by and large, Doc Rivers has coached a pretty good series. Um, I, and, I, and I don't even think this is really going to matter in Game 5, which should be a, a solid Sixers win. I think, like a lot of us, we're looking ahead towards the next couple rounds of the playoffs and, and wondering if this is going to be enough. I think that's where you're probably at as well. Yeah, and, and then this is what you earn by, by obtaining the number one seed is not not really huge. having the concern for even the second round with teams like the Hawks and the Knicks that are in that kind of same conversation as, as the Wizards and, and, and all those uh, play-in teams that I know the Knicks and the Hawks are – obviously in that level above, but but they're not as well-rounded as the Bucks or Nets who would then have to face each other, or even the Heat um, in that side of yeah. the bracket. Yeah, I so, yeah I think that the uh, the Hawks, I mean, they look like they're going to be able to be fine and, and take out the Knicks here. Um, with Trey Young, you never, you're never sure. He could go crazy, and then depending on Embiid's health, who knows what right. would happen and there. Then but, have, yeah. then, then you have Ben Simmons guarding Trey Young. Or, you know, you put Matisse mm-hmm. Seibel on him when, when he's on the bench. And, yeah. and that's a whole different matchup that then we can evaluate his talent in. And that Doc will then – I think that's the difference between kind of the Doc Rivers era squad and, and, and the Brett Brown team is that Doc is using the matchups. And that's kind of why Tobias Harris and him have, have jived so well in their time together is that it's a matchup thing where, where he uses Tobias as either a big three – or a small four that, that can exploit the matchup on whoever's on him. And uh, and defensively, they just need to lock down on uh, on all the threats that, that Atlanta would have to have, that would, Atlanta would throw out there. But frankly, I mean, the Knicks are just as tough defensively. That would be the other side of the coin if, if they do come back in that series. Well, it's definitely big to have that one seed. Um, and, and, you know, just quickly on the Hawks, I think it's been a good turnaround for that team. Just the fact that, you know, it's been a rough couple of years. Trey Young has kind of de- developed into more well, well-rounded for his game, and I think some of the roster moves have been big. I think 
Sixers Hawks would be a fun series. The other side of the bracket, though, Tom is is shaping up to be pretty much what we thought it would be. We're one Brooklyn blowout win over the Celtics from getting Brooklyn and the Bucks. I'll say this: I don't, I don't really succumb to the idea that pressure, you know, can can you know debilitate teams. At a certain point, you're good or you're not. But there is something to be said about the fact that maybe for the first time in a couple years, you know, they're not going to have the MVP. They didn't have the one seed. That maybe. Milwaukee's playing better because the pressure necessarily wasn't on them like in years past. Yeah, and they're kind of confident in their identity. Uh, a lot of these, at least the Nets, are still kind of forming theirs with their stars, and and the Bucks just are kind of uh, ho hum. This is what we do. Uh, Giannis does this thing, and then kicks out. They have a lot more shooters, and the the the, the addition of Drew Holiday really uh, makes them even more well rounded. To, to have a person that can create their own shot, play really good defense and control the ball. And they have, you know, just as, as much good shooting around them as any other team in the league. So even what Brooke Lopez is out there, Robin yeah. Lopez, I'm confused by the Lopez, Lopez <laughs> brother still. Um, yeah. As the other one was dropping bombs yesterday in the paint for the Wizards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Middleton is stepping up as well. He took some slack last year. I agree with you that Drew Holiday was a great pickup, one of the best acquisitions of um, anybody last year in terms of what he means on both ends of the floor. They're comfortable in their identity. It takes time for a lot of teams. You know, we're we're kind of used to or spoiled by the the super team era where you can just slap some players together and it just works. You know, a lot of the a lot of the historical great NBA championship teams, it took time. They had to kind of stumble before they succeeded. I'm not saying that's definitely going to happen this year or beyond, but it was good to see Milwaukee kind of put it together uh, in the playoffs against a Heat team that just didn't have it this year. And, you know, they go out in four games, Tom. I know the rosters are a little different. Players are a year older. Some have, have had regression seasons like Tyler Hero. But the one thing I'll say that I think is a common theme is that the teams that kind of went deep into the bubble last year were really affected by, you know, maybe being a little tired from playing so much basketball, the quick turnaround, the grind of that. We're starting to see it with the Lakers with some of their injuries. And, you know, Denver Jamal Murray goes down. I know they're not all directly connected to that, but that's one thing that stood out to me is that some of the teams that went deep into the bubble and deep into the playoffs last year weren't, weren't exactly able to hit the ground running and start 100% fresh. Yeah, and you you look at the playoff bracket, and it seems like you kind of know what what to expect in the Eastern Conference. But you look at the Western Conference, and and it seems like it's as wide open as it's been for a long time. You know, you had those years where the Warriors were were dominating the conference, and it was just them and and whoever whatever team LeBron was on that's going to be in the finals. So right now, is ever. You've got a mixed bag of, of teams here, and whoever gets hot can can uh, get after it. It looks like, you know, with the injuries, a lot of that levels things out. What I like is the Phoenix Suns just taking it to the Lakers right now. That's the series of, <laughs> yeah. of the first round right now. And, and, you know, Chris Paul is dealing with an injury of his own, but that team with him, uh, Chris Paul there, has has kind of taken them to the next level of being legitimate legitimate threats. Yeah, I I wanted to, we can jump right to that series now because I agree with you. It's just so fascinating with what we're seeing. And I do think that it's funny, depending on your rooting interests, once you're basically saying, well, our guy's hurt, so these losses shouldn't count. But when 
the other guy gets hurt, it's all fair and fine. You know, it's funny. It's funny how that works. I will right. say that I was never the biggest. I always respected Chris Paul. I was never the biggest fan of his. I do think recently, though, the last two stops, I mean, it's clear that wherever he goes, he makes them better. And it's a prime example, and you can you can use this argument in different sports all across the board. Numbers are, aren't going to tell the full story. There's something about how he plays, how he leads, that really has a positive impact on the teams and the spots that he goes to. And I think you're starting to see it with Phoenix. Devin Booker is still the best, you know, best, most skilled player on the team. Aiton has been a beast, like a double-double machine. But I think there's no question Chris Paul is the most important player for that team and for that locker room and that culture. And he makes the role players better and Bridges and Saric and all those other guys that, that come off the bench there. And, uh, you know, he, he can help. He coaches them on the, while he's on the bench and, and they're on the floor for positive results. And they're, they have those guys that are maturing at the right time altogether. Here's Tom Weisenbach on the Money Mitch effect. Um, we're still talking about the Suns-Lakers series. And the Lakers side of it is pretty pretty intense right now because after – you know, I thought about this the other day, too. Like, Friday night, if we're going into Friday night, if you would have told me that there'd be one L.A. team completely panicking, no one would have thought it would be the Lakers over the Clippers. And the fact is, those series just flipped over the weekend. The Lakers have the A.D. injury, and it completely switched everything around. Now, I think it's pretty obvious, Tom, that if he's not 100%, this team is not going to go to the title this year. I mean, if he's not at a... At a, at a form where he can contribute because this team is built around two guys now they're two of the best in the game the best in the world but with Davis out I just don't know how it's possible maybe LeBron can put put the team on his back find a way to win two or three and buy themselves some time for him to for him to get into shape but it's also a lot of new players a lot of new role players on that team that don't have the championship pedigree the experience and aren't exactly used to playing with such a talented but yet ball dominant player so I think the series completely flipped. The Suns are actually the betting favorite in this series now. It's been quite the 48 hours for the Lakers. Yeah, this might be even the toughest series that they would face if they if they were able to survive. This would be the turning point of uh, of that journey. Would be would be getting past Phoenix here and uh, and moving on because Denver, Portland, and I mean, they, I feel like nobody else would scare them. Not even yeah. if you just got to the finals of, of Utah. I feel like if you have LeBron deeper in the playoffs, that's that's where the experience comes into play. Yeah, maybe if maybe if Davis isn't playing against the Clippers, I know we've all had our fun at their expense, but that would be the Western Conference Finals. So the Clippers would have made it that far. And if they're if Davis is banged up, you still think maybe with the skill that the Clippers have, they put it together. But I agree. I mean, this is probably as tough as it's going to get. And I think you know LeBron. He's still LeBron, he's amazing, but he might be slowing down to the point where I don't know if he can, by himself, combat everything that he has to go against. The fact that, you know, the Suns, and, and how good Cameron Payne is another player that's been stepping up. The fact that the Suns really really haven't been going away, you know, there have been moments in some of their wins in Game 1 and in especially this last one, Game 4, where the Lakers start to make a run, LeBron starts to turn it on because he's clearly picking his spots that the Suns are able to counterpunch and withstand. I don't, I don't know how Game Five happens. I think the the most likely uh, scenario for this series is seven games with the Lakers holding in six, and then you have a Game Seven, and you trust that your experience gets you through there. But you know, Game Five I think is very important. Maybe maybe a must win for the Suns. I hate doing that, but they've got to get the three two lead and put the pressure on the Lakers because they do not want to go back to L A. having to win that game. 
Yeah, definitely. I think it's going to be a really fun series to watch. Uh, that and I mean, both both LA series are actually going to continue to be fun to watch here. Yeah, the Clippers taking two back from the Mavericks. No home team wins yet. This is it's almost like a hockey series in that regard. But I, I like the fact that the Clippers back against the wall stepped up. Luca, I think Tom is cl- clearly compromised. We can all see that. But when you really watched, you know, the first two games. I think there were signs that the Clippers could make a run even on the road because I saw just unbelievable performance from Luka and the Mavericks to where you had to think that there might be a regression to the mean, right? Like there was just some insane shot making that doesn't always hold up for every single game of his best of seven. Yeah, and you gotta you love to see Luka play. Like just the way he maneuvers through a defense is, is fascinating to watch. And, um, and Kawhi is just, seems to be just getting warmed up now and uh paul george is the x factor on that team and and the clippers are kind of a strange team to to read it's almost like they think they can turn it on and off whenever they want to and and at this point they've proved they can i guess but uh again they've dug themselves a hole early on and uh are gonna need to really focus in order to to get out of this first round yeah, Reggie Jackson stepping up because Beverly just hasn't given it to them. And they've actually been hurt by the Ibaka injury, which if he can come back and give them something else, that'd be a huge lift for the team. But now they're in survival mode. It was good to see back against the wall that they didn't just collapse like Clippers teams of the past have done. The series flips there. It's going to be tough for Dallas with, you know, with, with Luke and not 100%. I think that's going to be big. I, I did want to go back to the East because we didn't mention the Brooklyn Nets and just for a second. I, I know that... They're a trendy pick because of all their talent. They've been just putting it on everybody. And and I do think there's a reason why, Tom, that there's some hesitation to, to fully embrace this team. I think it's just the fact that we haven't ever seen a team constructed on the grounds of we don't really care how we have to play defense. We're just going to outscore you. You know, everybody says that, but the Nets are the only team that you kind of get the sense that it doesn't really matter what the other team does. They feel like they can outscore them. And maybe they can. I don't know. Yeah, it's like a... Uh... 2015 all-star game out there with uh, Kevin Durant and Blake Griffin and Harden, Kyrie and Joe. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, but Joe Harris went in the three point competition. So that always, uh, that always makes you nervous as, as a, you know, a fan of a team that's on that side of the bracket or, you know, in that bracket, regardless in the conference is how do you match up with that amount of, talent and one of them is going to be able to score uh you know you talk about you know our earlier conversation with the Sixers and you know Joel being the number one threat or whatever but with Brooklyn they're they're, they are all worthy of number one threat status and and usually you can have two lockdown defenders you're a good defensive team you got to have four you know you got to fully have team defense in order to stop these guys and it's not even stop them it's a 119 is the lowest, or 104 was the lowest they've scored in the series. And that was game one when they were just kind of getting into the series. So the legs are fully stretched and uh, dropped 140 last game. So yeah. we'll find out tonight how how uh, how stretched out their legs can be. And, yeah, maybe they're coming together. But Boston is in full strength, and, and this is just a warm-up series for, for Brooklyn. Yeah, it took Tatum's like best game as a pro to win one game in this series. That's the state where Boston's at, and it's also just a testament to Brooklyn's scoring. We're also going to have a funny, I mean, it's not going to be as funny for you, obviously, because you're going to be invested in it, but it's going to be a fun case study on 
you know, if if you can take something from being tougher out of a of a run to the to the conference final, if the Sixers go through the Hawks, they get the benefit of the bracket. They play Brooklyn or Milwaukee in the conference final. It'll be a team more battle tested. That whole rest versus toughness kind of thing in there, and, and I think that'll be fascinating to see. I don't know if it'll be better one way or the other, honestly, until the teams match up. Yeah, as long as it doesn't end with three bounces on a rim <laughs> and a. Sorry about that. I don't one. think you can get more devastating than that. Do you have a preference as a Sixer fan? If I mean, again, we're not assuming anything. I know you're not assuming anything. You know how this works, but in a perfect world, you're in the conference final. Who would you rather play? a really good question because both teams have I don't think we ever got a full picture of every star on the court during the regular season versus any of these teams which is what makes it even more difficult to predict in playoff time because each team was maybe playing coy with injuries or, or just you know with rest or now what you're you. talking about my biggest complaints for the NBA season that they just the games don't matter and we don't really have a read on what we're going to see well that I mean it could be your biggest complain or it can be kind of the joy of of this time of year is yeah. be really being able to see it for the first time when it matters most and it's gamesmanship there but uh i guess i'd rather see milwaukee on account of i don't want to see the 2015 eastern conference <laughs> all-star yeah. team in the eastern yeah. conference finals i know milwaukee's a threat but uh you know if joel's there i don't think anybody on either team can match up with him it's all the other guys that you have to worry about. And defensively, we can hang with either team. So it's kind of out of the control. So I don't really – if you get there, it's going to be a tough battle no matter who's there. Second round's even going to be tough. Yeah, I saw it was uh, 0-3 this year versus the Bucks for the Sixers, but 2-1 and versus the Nets. Maybe that just shows you that the regular season isn't there. I, I agree. I mean, that team has all that talent. If the Nets get through the Bucks then you're thinking, okay, they just dispatched, you know, the last two, the last two time MVP winner. And, you know, they're moving their way through. I agree with you there. Uh, quickly on the other two Western conference series, I think we're just kind of looking at who are, you know, contenders in the West too. And Utah has a hole now on that series uh, with the Grizzlies up three, one taking both games in Memphis. I don't know what the heck to make out of Denver and the Blazers. Every game is a blowout in that series is tied to two, but do you have any thoughts, reads, reactions of those two series, Tom? Who looks good, who doesn't, who might be just a pretender? Yeah, I haven't seen much of the Denver-Portland series. I know um, Denver's hanging tough with uh, Jamal Murray, not able to play, uh, and, and reacting to that. What I noticed about Grizzlies, they're just kind of like the Wizards in that that, that play-in team that, that always plays tough, that eight seed, that you know, this is the first time we really had to judge that eight seed having to earn it by playing in two games for that for the claim on that that series. So maybe they're just kind of running out of gas, and John Morant really had to turn it on for that last couple of weeks in order for them to be there. But uh, I mean, Utah is really coming into their own. It's going to be interesting to see if they can you know prove it in the next series if it's the Clippers or Dallas because those are kind of battle-tested teams versus Utah, who, you know, they, they've all seen each other before, so it's going to be fun to see. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat as you. Denver without Jamal Murray, valiant effort. Jokic is incredible, another MVP finalist, but I just don't think they have the firepower. They can survive Portland, but 
I just don't think it goes very far after that. Utah, the Donovan Mitchell thing in game one was very bizarre. Now that he's back, they're kind of rolling, and you do get a sense that they're a team that has a good home crowd advantage and is able to catch fire. So John Moran had a great run getting through the play-in tournament, winning game one. He looks like the next superstar in this league, one of the next superstars in this league, but this is just the first taste of the postseason for him. It's not the main course. So uh, fascinating stuff. I mean, Lakers, Suns, there's a lot of drama because, you know, Tom, if the Suns win that series, all bets are off for the Western Conference. Like, who knows what happens after that? Makes it way more fun, in my opinion. Yeah, no, LeBron, it's like if Tiger Woods did those first couple of years out of the, the, the tour <laughs> and, like and all the young guns, Rory McIlroy and Dustin Johnson and those guys coming up and, and trying to make a name for themselves. You know, a lot of young talent in the league right now uh, coming up in the form of uh, Luca and and uh, Michael Porter even. And we talked about the Suns guys already and Donovan Mitchell. And even on the east side is, is those Knicks teams that have all those failed Kentucky Wildcats <laughs> from <laughs> yeah. the early what six years ago and they're finally maturing into actual athletes you know this would be their second year in the league if they stayed for their senior year type of players and then the hawks with trey young so there's a lot of talent in the league right now which is fun to see can't wait to see how it shakes out tom weisenbach here on the money mitch effect another fun uh chat with you uh before i let you go do you have any baseball thoughts i know the phillies are just kind of you know middle of the pack couple games under 500 uh any thoughts on them or just the baseball season so far Phillies are reeling right now. Five uh, games out, though. I mean, thank God the uh, thank God the uh, National League East is just so bad this year. Reminds me of another division, actually, in a different sport. <laughs> yeah, we've had the the luxury over here of having in this region some tremendous sports to uh, to watch this past calendar year. Uh, yeah, there it hasn't been good. Um, you know, I think the Mets are pacing that division with just Degrom being amazing, which is. You know, it, it's ridiculous. But, no, I mean, the Phillies have, have struggled. I had to give you some stuff on that, though. The, uh, You know, it's tough. I mean, look, the the story of baseball the last couple, the last week or so has been Tampa Bay just somehow winning and finding a way to do it. But, you know, the National League West is uh, all the California teams appear to be just pacing the division, too. So it's been fun. And we get to boot the Astros again, which is also a bonus as well. Yeah, and beat them up if we're in L.A., too, or in L.A. <laughs> I do not condone that, but there is, uh, yeah, <laughs> Dodgers, Astros. What do you think is going to happen when they play each other? Um, no, it's been fun. Hey, Tom, a lot of pent up energy there. I, I, I will tell you, I've been to a game and I'm very happy to. That was one of the things that I really wanted to, to do when I was able to. Mm-hmm. So I've been to a game and that was good. That was a really nice thing to be doing. Nice. After, you know, being vaccinated and, and getting back to it. So. Nice. The whole theme of the show has been fans back in the stands, so it has happy been. To be there. It has been. We just got to some of our teams just got to give them better products to cheer. That's for sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Tom, give me Tom, a hot dog and a beer, and I'll be I'll be good. Easily, easily. Tom Weisenbach, this was fun as always. Thanks for joining the Money Mitch Effect. Absolutely. That's going to do it for this week's episode of The Money Mitch Effect. Huge thanks again to both guests, Craig Swanson and Tom Weisenbach. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. And a reminder, you can catch every episode of the show on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. Search Money Mitch Effect, and it pops right up. Entire catalog of episodes is there. You can subscribe, leave a rating, a review. 
And you can also check out the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page. Check out myself on Twitter, MoneyMitchM21, for more content there. Next week, there'll be more playoff hockey talk, some other sporting events as well. Baseball season heating up. Fun time to be a sports fan. I think I say that all the time, but I really do mean it this time. I'm Mitch Michaels. This was the Money Mitch Effect. Thank you for listening, and keep enjoying sports.